Well, hey, everybody. How's it going? Welcome to the show. My name is Luke. And my name is Zach. <laughs> and, and there's dead air. And we have another guest. <laughs> You're supposed to introduce you. I never know. I feel like we go back and forth between introducing the guest and then having the guest introduce himself. And yeah. We never decide until like right in the moment. Well, they, yeah. You know, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that one's on us. I'm gonna say that's our fault. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is our dad. Our dad is back again. Yes. Hello. His We're name back. is Dad. <laughs> name is Dad. Name is Tim. Dad. Yes. Back again for another fucking wacky movie from our childhood. Oh yeah, and it just as a just as interesting a soundtrack as well. It's the first mm-hmm. episode that I did with you guys. Yeah, I guess that's true. True, Both very, very musical. musical. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, the movie is called The Point, and this is Broke Box Office. Broke Box Office. All right. So. So. To mention really briefly, Zach, you you say you call this a movie from our childhood, and yeah, I I when I when I first looked at it, like the visuals are familiar to me, but mm-hmm. then go, watching this movie, I don't know if I had seen this before. I I yeah, it really didn't ring any kind of bells to me. It might have been that we watched it when we were super young, so like you remember it. That's what I'm and thinking. I just kind of don't at all. But Dad, you might be able to shine some light on that as well. Yeah, Luke, I think you're probably right that if, if we watched it more than once, I would be surprised. Um, <laughs> yeah. But if if we did watch it, it would have been in the very early days for both you guys, which may be why Zach has some memory of it and you don't. Yeah. Yeah, because I do remember not the whole thing. I remember like, you know, some like something would come on screen. And I would be like, oh, that looks familiar. Sure. Um, and I remember like the general like plot of it, but um... and I think you mentioned last week, Zach, the visual style is reminiscent mm-hmm. of the Phantom Tollbooth, which I remember quite well. But oh yeah, yeah, it's reminiscent of a lot of things. It reminded me of that. It reminded me of like Charlie Brown in a way. Um, well, it's yeah, it's much more too. trippy than Charlie Brown was. It's, yeah, it's well, like yeah, a yellow submarine <laughs> kind of stuff. That was yeah, that was what I was trying to think of. Especially the the pointed man. He has like one face that has little like goggles on, and I was like, that looks yeah. so beetle. It looks like the blue meanie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminded me of the Tootsie Pop commercial. That is, yeah, yeah, that was the other one. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's shaded the same way as that one, I think. Yeah, yeah, and and the 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 way people are talking. I think the the kids' voices reminded me of the Peanuts more so than like the design of everything. Yeah. So. But who are those voices? <laughs> yeah, I'll talk a little bit about the voices. I do you know, Zach, what version we watched? So yeah, I guess I should bring this up now. We kind of tricked our dad into watching this by telling him that yes. <laughs> uh, one of his favorite actors, Dustin Hoffman, is in it, and he is not in this version. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah, Dustin Hoffman plays the father in the like original broadcast of it. But in the one that we watch, uh, it's Ringo Starr. Okay. So he would have been that role. Yeah. Sorry, so... Dad. <laughs> <laughs> on the, uh, yeah, on the IMDb, Ringo Starr is credited as the narrator and the father of the home video release. So I guess what we watched was like the home video release version. But mm-hmm. it's crazy that there's so many different like versions of this because we have Alan Barsman plays narrator and father for the 
second telecast. We already said Dustin mm-hmm. Hoffman was the first. And right. then Alan Thicke was the narrator and father for the third telecast. No shit. So like, <laughs> why did they, I don't know why they kept switching that, but yeah. Can I tell you? Oh, oh yes. please. Yes. You know, um, yeah. This is some, you know, I do my homework. Boys. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And little known fact, Harry Nielsen and Dustin Hoffman were friends. Okay. Uh, oh, that makes and sense. Nielsen asked Hoffman to do it. And Dustin Hoffman was paid 20 grand to do the voicing for one broadcast. And that was his contract. Hmm. So when they wanted to do it again, they either had to pay him again, which after 71, he was a much bigger ticket than in February of 71. (laughs) So that's when they started getting different people to do it. And of course, Ringo Starr, also very good friend of Harry Nielsen. Mm-hmm. So when they did the DVD release with Ringo as dad, that kind of made sense there too. Yeah. That's such a weird uh, thing that they would like record, like they have the recording. Like, I wonder if that's a normal thing or if it was back in the day to like get people to do an animated movie or like some sort of voice performance, but only be able to use it like once. Yeah, that's weird. I think probably so. Yeah. Uh, per- particularly, uh, as you see, this was a kind of a first off ABC movie of the week as an animated movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was a it was kind of a groundbreaking thing. Yeah. It really feels like that, like strange and different in a, in a weird way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other thing that's just an interesting tidbit. Um, with your lure of Dustin Hoffman for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry Nielsen had the part of the soundtrack to Dustin's 69 film, uh, Midnight Cowboy. Oh, okay. Uh, Harry okay. Nielsen's cover of someone else's song, Everybody's Talking at Me. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, it, it has now become totally identified with Midnight Cowboys, the theme to Midnight Cowboy. So there's another instance of collaboration on the same film of Harry Nielsen in the sound side with the Dustin Hoffman lead role. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I never knew that, like, I mean, I don't know much about Harry Nielsen, but I never knew that, you know, they were friends. That's that's funny. Is is Harry Nielsen American or British? I believe he's British. Okay. That makes sense. I'm not positive about that. Well... I we could have looked it up, but no. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> well, recorded by American singer songwriter Harry Nielsen. So, oh okay, there I go. have the the page for me and my arrow is open here. Me nice. and my arrow. <laughs> it's such a catchy song. It's ridiculous. It really um, is. Well, the the interesting the it was written for the movie mm-hmm. and for the soundtrack album. And because it's just kind of a funky movie, you think it's just kind of a weird song. But it, mm-hmm. in 1971, made number three on the Billboard charts. <laughs> Damn. Wow. <Okay. laughs> All right. Yep. Cool. That's just what people were doing in the 70s, I guess. Well, anyway, so, um, so as we we mentioned, you know, Dustin Hoffman and, and Ringo Starr, I feel like I don't have to go into. But mm-hmm. I want to talk about, and at pretty much everybody in this is... Uh, uh, sort of similar in that you know they all have just a buttload of credits from just animated stuff nice. which is really cool um yeah a we'll lot of the about voices Paul just Freeze. like sounded kind of familiar yeah um and they also a lot of them play multiple roles in this well, actually i guess not a lot of them i guess just paul freeze um mm-hmm. but paul freeze plays 
the pointed man's right head and the king and the leaf man and additional voices. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> and he he's up there amongst the like most credits we've ever had on someone on this show. He has 370 credits. Holy shit. And it's weird. I don't I don't know. This is sort of an enigmatic thing because he died in 1986. Mhm. But he has a credit on some 2018 film called Pinocchio Story of a Puppet. Okay. Uh, and I don't know if they just used like, uh, you know, archive footage of him or uh, they must have it. Yeah. But I don't know. It seems like a, there's no plot synopsis and nothing like on it on IMDb. So huh. that's kind of a mystery. But yeah, that's um, really weird. Yeah. But he's just been in just a buttload of stuff i will mention it seems like one of his kind of specialties i guess you could say is like christmas specials he's in you know pretty much every one you could possibly think of he's in jack frost he's in frosty the snowman nestor the long-eared christmas donkey um i'm sorry what was that last one (laughs) nestor the long-eared christmas donkey (laughs) yeah i haven't heard of that one i don't think it's on I the only reason I know about that one is because it's on some like multi-pack DVD that I have that has like Jack Frost and Rudolph and Nestor the Long Year Christmas Donkey. So okay, I don't sure. think I've ever watched I'll buy it, it. But <laughs> <laughs> Wow. My favorite one though, my favorite one is in uh Santa Claus is coming to town. He plays Burgermeister Meisterburger. What? Which is <laughs> fuck. That's one of my favorite of the the little Christmas shorts. Man, I haven't seen like have any. You never of these seen that Santa Claus about? coming to town? I guess not. I remember Burgermeister Meisterburger. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Me, yeah. me, and me and my wife. I feel wife like I want to watch it year. now. You should. It's really fun. Um, well, go ahead. No, the the thing I wanted to, just to get in there on Paul Freed's as as one of the kind of highlights in this movie is when they have the crowd that just yeah. kind of chats back and forth with each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's almost all him. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh my god. That part was so funny where they're just like, and it sounds so natural. They're just like, well, hey, what are you doing? How's it going over here? Oh, did you see yeah. a little? Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well. And they sort of like talk over each other in a really realistic way. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that part. That kind of goes throughout like the whole movie. Yeah. 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 Especially with the kid and the dad. <laughs> he also, um, this is a, I, I thought was a fun one. I didn't know there was a, animated show of the Beatles but <laughs> there was and he played John Lennon and George Harrison oh wow in the animated okay. Beatles show now is that the, is yeah. that the old uh, oh hey there John it's me the Beatles oh hey <laughs> or is that just in the Yellow Submarine movie well I think in in the Yellow Submarine I think it was actually the Beatles so oh that would make sense <laughs> yeah. uh, okay yeah 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 but, you know, he's also he's got a great voice, obviously. So he's not just animated stuff, but it's interesting. He's done like voices and like voiceover and narration stuff for, you know, Patton and oh, wow. Beneath the Planet of the Apes and like some stuff like that. I assume just because he's got, you know, that kind of authoritative voice. So they probably use mm-hmm. him as like, you know, in a world where, you know, <laughs> kind of some bullshit. Yeah, voiceover stuff that like would make that. sense. But yeah. Really iconic career um, spanning generations. Um, Then we'll talk about Lenny Weinrib, who is the voice of the Count. Mm -hmm. Um, He, I mean, it's kind of the same deal. He's got just a buttload of credits in animation. He passed away in 2006. Mm. 
uh, R.I.P. But he's done, you know, Garfield, The Smurfs, uh, <laughs> a couple of things I wanted to, a couple of his more iconic roles. He seems to be the voice of Grimace in all what? McDonald's related media. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, that which is fun. sounds very different than his voice in this movie, I feel like. Right? Yeah. He also in he seems to be the main or at least the first uh voice of Scrappy Doo. Oh god. In all kind of Scooby Doo related <laughs> media. Mm. Nice. Mm. <laughs> what a great credit to have. Yeah. So th- those were that Scrappy Doo was the main kind of iconic one that I recognized, but you know, he was he's done episodes of everything of the Globetrotter show and the Flintstones and mm-hmm. Yogi Bear and yada 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 yada. So just all sorts of stuff. Um also want to talk about Bill Martin, who's the voice of the rock man. Uh, yes. Because he is the writer of Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> huh. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Weird connection. Which I was like, yeah. And he has some acting credits. He has like, he has 35 acting credits, but I don't know. He just, I, I, it's an interesting career trajectory. That's very, like, um, based on the way his voice sounds in the movie, I was expecting him to be, like, some sort of jazz musician that they brought in to, like, because he had a very, like, hey, cat, how's it going over here kind of voice. He did, yeah. Well, the the thing is, he also is a, uh, a musician to some degree mm-hmm. and has, in the late 60s, uh, did some collaborative work with, guess who, Harry Nielsen. Okay, yeah, that's what I was expecting, I yep. guess. That, that makes sense. Almost all of his acting credits are in video games, which is interesting. What? Um, he does a lot of video okay. game voices. So, you know, really bizarre career, you know? Yeah. I mean, he was in Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Like, he's what? done a bunch of video games. Holy shit. <laughs> and he wrote Harry and the Hendersons. So. Wow. He's just a renaissance man, I guess. <laughs> he really is. Um, But everybody else, I mean, like, Buddy Foster plays the Count's son. Joan Gerber plays Oblio's mother, and Mike Lookinland plays Oblio. Um, and all of them really just kind of have the same thing. They've all done like a bunch of animated stuff. And uh, and as Dad mentioned, uh, so Mike Lookinland, yeah, right, yeah, he was in uh, the yeah. the Brady Bunch as Bobby Brady. Okay, um, but yeah, Bobby Brady. Were any of them in Peanuts? Because <laughs> I feel like if they weren't, I'm going crazy. I don't think so. I don't think so. Not that I saw. Well, the interesting thing, and some of what I read uh, about the point, is it was very unusual to have a kid voicing the kid's voice. Mm. Yeah. As opposed to having just a woman being Mm. a small boy. Yeah, that's true. And in most of Peanuts, they're not actually children. Yeah, true. Well, dang. I mean, maybe that's just like how people talked back then. Yeah. <laughs> they just had similar similar cadence or something. I don't know. Anyways, um, if that's that's yeah, all you've got, all got, I'll try and run through run through mine real quick. Um, it was directed and partially written and produced and animated by a guy named Fred Wolf, who I it was so funny. I was expecting to find that you know these people worked on stuff. You know, like we talked about earlier from, that, you know, that time, like, I guess, you know, Peanuts or like, but most of them worked on stuff that I recognized as much later. Like, this dude was a producer on DuckTales and yeah. Alvin and the Chipmunks and Speed Racer and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I was like, I guess maybe this was like 
sort of near the beginning of his career. Yeah, because those are all pretty 80s. Mm-hmm, 80s, 90s, yeah. Pretty much everyone had the point, like, way down near yeah. the beginning of their career. As far as directing goes, the only other thing that I saw that I recognized that he directed was Puffed Magic Dragon, which Ooh. I feel like fits a lot more nice. in my mind with, with this movie. Yeah. Um, it was also written by someone named Carol Beers. Uh, she is mainly an animator. She had 55 animation credits, including... Um, I'll go back. I'll try and do this in like reverse order. So she actually worked on uh, Coonskin, which is another Ralph Bakshi movie. So got a little bit of a fun connection there. Um, and then, again, very 80s. She worked on He-Man and the Ghostbusters TV show and She-Ra. And then like Tailspin and Darkwing Duck and Goof Troop. <laughs> and then Gargoyles. So we're like up in the 90s now. Oh, man, now. I remember and, Gargoyles. I know, right? And um, speaking of 90s, Cat Dog which I remember <laughs> for other reasons. Yep. Um, but pr- probably the, mo- the most fun is she worked on Pooh's Grand Adventure. Oh, really? Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Iconic. Which, speaking of movies, that's probably still, to this day, the movie that I've seen the most times. <laughs> Just because we watched know, it, dude. like, I might, probably once a month. I might have caught up with how many times I've watched Clue in my life. Yeah. I but should, like, two. make an effort to, like, yeah watch a movie that i like a lot of times because i think mine <laughs> for a long time was fucking what was it freaky friday just because, oh, yeah. like, i watched I it that was like the one movie that my band director had so anytime we weren't you know he didn't feel like teaching us he would just put that movie on i remember yours was freaky so. friday and mine was the pacifier for some reason that i had seen like 20 times yeah <laughs> Actually, you know what? This will be fun. I want to ask you you about this, Dad. I have like a theory that the movie that people have watched the most is usually not their favorite movie because it's just like circumstantial. So, what do you think is the movie you've seen the most times? Uh, there's three that are etched in my mind. Oh yeah, just yeah, as yeah, you yeah. say, that are circumstantial. Two of them, and I think you guys both know. When I was in graduate school, my student job was uh, projectionist for mm-hmm. campus movies. Yeah, I do remember uh, you saying that. And so Annie, the musical, <laughs> is, <laughs> uh, was one that just has burned a hole in my mind. Nice. Uh, and Fast Times at Ridgemont High yep. um, nice. is another one as a projectionist. The other thing was, um, even before graduate school, when I was in college, I had roommates who owned one of the first that I was aware of, VHS machines. Wow. Kind of dating myself here a little bit. Yeah, very <laughs> um, fancy. But they they had family in uh, Colombia, South America. And so they would record TV, American TV and send the, the sh- recorded stuff back to their family in Colombia. Nice. There were very few movies available very early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them was Smokey and the Bandit. Nice. And I, I've probably seen Smokey and the Bandit, you know, a hundred times. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so that That's is probably great. the one movie I've seen more than anything else is Smokey and the Bandit. Nice. That's I feel like I, I don't know if I've seen that, but it seems like a pretty good one. Like, I think I'd rather watch that than like Freaky Friday, probably. <laughs> Yeah, pro- well, I don't know. They both not after, a bad one to have after the thirtieth or fortieth time when you can you <laughs> True. Know, recite the dialogue along with the actors. It, nothing <laughs> is exciting anymore. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a good point. I, a good point. Hey, bring it back around. Uh, <laughs> to the point. 
the the um the other the last writer here is a screenplay by a guy named Norm Linzer who has like really no other credits. He did like one episode of The Man from Uncle and then he also and the reason I mention him is he was a voice actor in a Terminator video game. Hmm. And okay, sure. He has like 10 credits on IMDb and and they're like writing and also acting in this video game. So who Ooh. knows? Um <laughs> I want to briefly mention, you know, just Harry Nielsen here, uh, just because, like, you know, we've talked about him, but I just wanted to, like, see what he did on IMDb, like, in particular. Uh, he had 186 soundtrack credits, so, you know, Jeez. pretty, pretty, yeah. I think that's more than than we saw Bruce Springsteen had when we were doing that episode. Oh, when we did so, Thunder Road, yeah. Good job, Harry Nielsen. Yeah, um, and, and this movie in particular is based... It's like, so so he made this concept album, which I guess he probably made with this movie in mind, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just wanted to have, have a little quote from him on the IMDb about sort of the origin of this story. And I believe it will not surprise you when the quote begins, I was on acid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I looked at... I looked at the trees and I realized they all came to points and the little branches came to points and the houses came to a point. And I thought, oh, everything has a point. And if it doesn't, there's no point to it. I'm like, yeah, that sounds about yeah, right. That adds up. <laughs> it, it's it's such an interesting movie where it's like very literal and metaphorical at the same time. And it like flows back and forth between the two to where you're just like, what is happening? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I guess just before we like really get into it, I'll, I'll uh, bring out my spotlight for the episode. Uh, additional animation by someone named Vincent Davis, who also animated on... You know, TMNT, nice. DuckTales, Captain Planet, uh, and Ozzy and Drix. Oh my god. <laughs> I know, right? And then, like, probably the most recent credit out of anyone, he worked on The Batman. That, uh, one of the more, more recent Batman cartoons. Oh, cool. And then he was a producer on Garfield and Friends for 52 episodes. Nice. <laughs> and also on Cow and Chicken and I Am Weasel and Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, all this, like, 90s shit that... I don't really ever remember watching. Yeah. And then probably the main reason I wanted to mention him is that he was in the art department on the 1990s Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon. <laughs> Hell I yeah. remember loving a lot. <laughs> I don't remember like the cartoon show terribly well, but I, I, I remember the Metal Sonic VHS movie that we rented all the time. Do you remember that? Mm hmm. Yeah. We rented oh, that man, at I least a if... couple of times. I wonder if that's on YouTube. I would love to like. I, I it's technically a movie. Yeah, I we could do TV shows too. Like, who cares? It's our show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely remember that Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon. Yep. But today we were talking about the point, and uh, wow. <laughs> wow, indeed. What is the point? The point is that there doesn't have to be a point. I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it was interesting because I I feel like I agree with kind of the central rhetoric of this movie that like everyone, everybody has intrinsic value, no matter like what they look like or what their productivity necessarily is. Like everyone has value, but mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that the movie uh Makes sense, or, or <laughs> oh man, is terribly exciting. Man, you you weren't paying attention, dude. <laughs> it it it's, I mean, it, I got it. Like it wasn't that I didn't get it. But 
The movie was deep, man. <laughs> it was like the most 70s thing I think I've ever yes. seen. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the the interesting thing is, and I was thinking while I was watching it and, and cogitating about it, uh, reflecting back on Imaginaria and the conversation we had mm-hmm. about the potential to read more into a movie than even the, the writer or the director or anybody else thought was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I may be doing that with the point, <laughs> um, but, but I saw you know, when Oblio gets, uh, thrown out of town and he and Arrow are just wandering in the pointless forest, mm-hmm. everybody he comes across, uh, presents a different way to be in the world. Yeah. And it's not just, do they have a point, but it is almost lifestyle or, um, you know, just how do you live? What is the significance? You know, when he, the first one he runs into is rock man. Mm-hmm. And the review I had read from the, when they did the DVD release on this in 2004, <laughs> sees rock man's only thing is saying, you don't have to have a point to have a point. Um, but rock man's whole deal was I'm here now. Yeah. We're, we're just being, mm-hmm. uh, and and that was the seventies kind of yeah. pulling the hippie <laughs> characters up yeah. out of the sixties. Yeah, for and sure. And then they're pulling in when he runs into the tree guy, Leaf Man. Mm-hmm. The the Leaf Man's whole thing is a business approach to life and yeah. timing is everything and not being here now, but you know, a whole different and then the the a big fat dancing ladies <laughs> have a, another representation of an approach to life and how to go about living and brevity and so, carelessness. You know, yeah. Well, that one, it was making people happy yeah. and being cheerful and yeah. having fun. And then you have the, the little bird who is like a philosopher who's like, how, why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> well, the little bird, now uh, the little bird was just a mirror for Oblio. Mm-hmm. Because the bird said essentially the same thing every time. And Oblio said, who, who I'm Oblio. And what? Oh, you want to know what yeah. you want to know where that's you want to know why that's what everybody wants to know is why. Yeah. And, and it's a thing of Dad, like, I where can't he's wait to read at... your essay on this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have a lot of uh scholarly, this is probably going to be our most, uh, <laughs> our most smart episode. I feel like. Oh God! <laughs> oh no! It would just wait for next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, true. I guess so. Uh, the little teaser about what we're doing next. That that I mean, talking about making no sense. That uh, we'll get to that one. I guess in a week. But uh, <laughs> I feel like this one makes sense, except for when the the like. I feel like for the first half of the movie, they're, the songs are in the movie and they like address what's happening in the movie. And then yeah. for the second half of the movie, he just will have a song. That he's like, well, I want to put this song in the movie. Yep. So here it is. And here's some like weird shit. Here's a whale decomposing or like. Dude, that song blew my mind. Oh, man. <laughs> Disney copied that with the whole circle of life deal. Man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, it, tur- turnabout is fair play, I guess, because there is definitely a little bit of Disney in this movie with yep. the uh, Donald Duck with Mickey ears. Yep. That, shows, like... uh, yeah. that was bizarre, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's get to like the nuts and bolts, right, of the plot can be, again, summarized in like one sentence is that 
there's a village where everything is pointy. Mm -hmm. This kid is born with a totally round head, so they banish him. He wanders around in the forest for a while, meets some new people, and then returns to the village. And for some reason now, his head has a point on it. That's it. That's the movie. So, like... Yeah, and then everyone else's heads don't have points at the end, but he (laughs) does have a point. So I'm like, well, he's, he's still, like... You know, the odd one out. Right. And now they're going to banish him because he does have a point head. <laughs> well, and the thing that I didn't like, the, the disappointing part, is when he comes back, rather than accepting him as he is, suddenly, yeah. which they were doing, and then yeah. his hat comes off, and by golly, he has developed a pointed head. It made me mm-hmm. sad. <laughs> yeah, me too. They, they should have kept him as a little round like, head kid. Yeah. yeah, just be And then yourself. everyone would be round. <laughs> Yeah, and and you know we talk about like everyone in the village is is pointy, but it's also like you know the metaphor is very overt. Like everyone in the village has a point. Yeah. Uh, but also he says like their point is making points, which I was like, well, what is the economy of this village like? I mean, you know, there's like bakers. We see bakers and like right. people mining stuff, and but it's all pointy. So I guess they're just like you know that's the little except twist for on the it. artist, the artist colony. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I might be new points to view. I'm certain that I'm I'm reaching a a little bit here, but and maybe it's just because stuff like this has been on my mind recently. But I think it could be a, a little bit of a dig at capitalism because you know capitalism uh, causes us to falsely conflate productivity with worth, right? When those are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you have worth no matter yeah. who you are and what you do. But I think that's one of the problems here is that. The people make points and like, why do they make points? It doesn't matter. They just do. And that's their point is to work and make stuff. Mm -hmm. And the artists who aren't making stuff do Hamlet and get struck by lightning for some reason. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that was pretty funny. Yeah, but he messed up Hamlet. And I think I thought lightning was uh, William Shakespeare's revenge on (laughs) that is not the point. That is the question. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) <laughs> I I do also like how the the painter guy paints a circle and he takes it to the museum and they like yeah. boo him out so he's like all right and he paints a triangle and everyone loves it and I'm like <laughs> uh, yeah because only particular types of art yeah. are accepted as art yeah so a lot a lot going on and then also there I just am looking at my notes now there's a really funny moment where they're talking they're still introducing the village and he's like everything has a point and everyone loves that and all the buildings have like pointed tops and they show a bird and the bird has like a band-aid oh, yeah. over its butthole, I guess, because it yeah. sat on the points. And he's like, well, I guess not everybody loves it. <laughs> yeah. Womp womp. But I guess we, I, I, did we, oh, he sort of like alluded to, there's also like a wraparound narrative of like this kid going to bed and he wants to watch TV before bed. Oh, yeah. But his dad wants to read him a story and the dad's like very pushy and like, God, oh, I remember when like kids used to love when their dads would read them stories and like they keep talking over each other adventure stories <laughs> yeah and the dad basically like annoys the kid into submission and the kid's like all right fine let's, let's yeah. Yeah, so that's a standard dad technique though so <laughs> i know i was about to say it felt very True. familiar <laughs> but yeah they, and you know we'll bre- like it'll cut back to this this kid and this dad every now and then throughout the story and the yeah, kid will, like princess bride style yeah, that's what I was going to say. And, and the kids is sort of like growing like, okay, yeah, I guess I do like this story. Yeah. But yeah, so. Uh, so Oblio uh, gets banished because of, you know, this conflict that arises with the Count's kid, 
who never has a never name named. and everyone just calls him Count's Kid. Yeah. Which is fucking weird. Yeah. Also, <laughs> speaking of names, All like really briefly. just call him Count's Kid. The main, the main kid's name is Oblio. And and we hear a moment of him talking to like the other kids. That he's They're playing triangle toss. Um, and he calls the other kids. And they have names like Richard and Harry. And his name is Oblio. And I was like, maybe that's also <laughs> no. part of the problem. Now, the other kids' names are Richard and Fred um, and Harry. Harry Nielsen. Oh, uh, Fred shit. was the... Okay. And Richard is... Is Ringo Starr? Oh my god! Star- I didn't even realize that. Okay, <laughs> that makes okay. sense now. I just thought it was weird that like, That's oh, cool. they have normal names. He has a weird name, but there's a there's a reason. There's yeah. a point to yeah. it. There's, there's a point. There's yep. so many points in this movie. Oh my god, <laughs> so many points. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, like Zach was saying, they play this game called Triangle Toss, and the Count's kid is just a real asshole mm-hmm. because the Count is an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um. And he's like, you can't play, you roundhead. But Oblio is like, yeah, I can. I challenge you anyway. And like Oblio and his dog named Arrow, they win. And then the Count gets super pissed at his kid for for losing mm-hmm. to this roundhead. So he's like, we got to we gotta get him out of the way. He's like, how are you ever going to rule if no one respects you? Because you yeah. lost at ring toss. Yeah. <laughs> so the Count manages to get oblio banished because the king is a big wiener for some reason and, <laughs> and doesn't stand up for what he actually thinks yeah it, it's it's a whole um, thing of like the count keeps stating like oh the law of the land is that nothing can exist without a point and the law is the law and yeah. everyone's just like well i guess the law is the law even though they're like i don't yeah, i don't, I don't agree with this even his own parents are like well the law is the law sorry son <laughs> yeah and, I, you know what I wanted to ask you, though, Dad, is the, you know, Oblio's banished and he has to go out into the forest and his parents are just like, all right, bye. And I was like, why didn't his parents just like go with him? Like if I was a 10 year old say kid the same thing and I was banished from town, would you just have been like, all right, bye. Or would you have like gone with me? <laughs> <laughs> Your silence is not very oh. encouraging. <laughs> Did we lose him? Where no, I'm here. <laughs> oh, Aren't I here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I was. I was. Uh, I was saying that the the reason is because the kid had to have his own coming of age adventure, mm. and it was a kind of a spirit walk. But he's ten. I guess that's yeah, tr- fair for like yeah, the plot of the movie. It's the it's the walkabout, you know. Yeah. Hmm. True, they probably Everything would have just gotten his way. representational. Yeah, they would have drug him down, <laughs> held him back. Don't sit on that edge of the teacup, you'll fall in. Yeah, oof. I mean, his dad does get, does give him some money, and I was like, what is what is he going to do with that? <laughs> yeah, oh, triangle yeah. coin. Here's some money for when you're in the forest. Mm-hmm. So he leaves. So they go to the forest. Yeah. Uh, and the fir- I mean, the first person they meet is the pointless man, right? Or the pointed man, sorry. The pointed man. Yeah, he has so many points. and I, He's so annoying. I could not, like, he has so many lines. He's talking over himself. And and yeah. I, I guess his his point in the movie is just to be like, you know, I don't know what. Okay. <laughs> he He's the confusion. He's the trickster. He's, you yeah. know, the, po- right. the pointed. The, there's so many points. And I think one of his first lines is... 
if you're pointing in every direction, you're really not pointing anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I think that kind of encapsulates him. He really reminds me, I, I haven't seen the Phantom Tollbooth in a long time, but I feel like there's a similar, like, yeah, you know, confusion character in that, but I can't remember what, it, who it would have been or what it was, but I mean, like, so would you guys consider the, the pointed man an antagonist? Cause I think I would. Right. Yeah. I was yeah, trying to figure probably. out if he was like, cause at the end, I was expecting at the end him to be like, well, and now you understand that nothing, you don't need a point, but he never has that moment. So I right, guess he was he just it. kind of like being a dick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and he refuted yeah. whenever Oblio would have, you know, learned a point. Yes. The yeah. pointed man would refute it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I guess he is like, you know, the most point. He's like everything needs to have as many points as possible. Yeah. Or yeah. something. I don't know. Well, that's. I think that's just the acid talking, though. Well, maybe, maybe so. <laughs> I'm oh sure God. there's a lot of that influence going on. Yeah. Well, didn't you say the acid quote was, "If everything has a point, and something a world where everything has a point, if there doesn't have a point, there's no point to it, or something." Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like <laughs> the pointed man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll assume that he's like you know this sort of like weird ass worldview embodied. But he just like pops in and out and he just like, yeah. you know, disappears after he says his piece and Oblio is just like weird <laughs> and like keeps walking around. Yeah. He, he, Oblio for the whole rest of the movie is sort of aimless. It, it it was kind of stressing me out that he didn't have like a plan, that he didn't have like a destination. He's just kind of wandering. And I get that that's like part of the movie. But like as I was like self-inserting, I was like, <laughs> I'm stressed. On his behalf, like, where are you going? Luke, what is your plan? Luke. Are you okay? <laughs> yes. What was the name of the big rock you fell asleep under? Oh, the I don't remember. What was it? Oh wait, what, what destination did say? point. Destination point. Right, yes. right. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta let go and be groovy with it, man. Sound like rock man. Well, and he was only out for a day, and that's the the other yeah. thing. Is yeah, a, that too. So his banishment was for one day and overnight, and then he came home to a parade. <laughs> it's pretty yep. funny. Yep. I, I yeah. I mean, I, I I think it is interesting that we have Oblio basically being a sponge to like absorb all of these different um, like viewpoints or like ways of living that he comes across, as we mentioned earlier, and sort of like you know as he like reconciles them within himself. I think like his you know. You see at the end, he has a point on the top of his head. Maybe that point was like slowly growing, you know, as he's like, you know, realizing that his point could be whatever he wants. It could be anything. And so then he like discovers that he does have a point, but it's just like one that he is going to like give himself. Yeah. Well, and that's uh, that's the coming of age piece of it. Yeah. Is that instead of having a point because he was born with a point, he has a point that he's decided for himself. Yeah. Dang it, that's what I was trying to say, and you said it so much better than I said. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, so it's kind of self-determinism here. Yeah. There we go. But in order to get there, he has to meet a, a cast of strange characters. And to meet the first one, he is chased by giant bees yep. into a log, and the log falls down a hill, and he, he meets a big rock guy with a, a cool gravelly jazz voice. <laughs> I mean, what else is there to say about Rockman? 
the rock guy, he's just like, hey, man, got to be steady as a rock. Being a rock is a heavy life. Yep. And I was, it's I haven't cool. known that. I was just like, I was like, oh, and he also says, have you ever seen a dinosaur? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like, no. And he's like, do you ever want to? He's like, I guess not. He's like, well, there you go. You see what you want to see. Yeah. And I was like, I was I like, what that, that means. That, that's, again, perception creates reality. I guess so. I don't know if that's logic. I mean, no, maybe not the level is like seeing a dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> but there's, there's some, again, some themes of the counterculture from the late 60s, early 70s mm-hmm. that are represented in some of these people. And the whole, you see what you want to see, um, is one of those themes that is born out in Rockman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think we have to accept that everything is going to be like pretty heavily metaphorical. Yeah. Pretty much for the whole film. Yeah. Although the, he does see a pterodactyl later, so That's, maybe not. Well, true. Not not much a pterodactyl as much as a bird, really, was it? Yeah, it really looked like a pterodactyl to me until everyone started calling it a bird, and I was yeah, like, Yeah, I thought it was a pterodactyl okay. also. <laughs> but yeah, he, the and you know his conversation with the rock guy ends when the rock guy's like, "I'm going to bed now." Yeah. <laughs> and then he moves on. You know, the pointed man shows up again and, like, says some stuff and then, like, you know, poofs away. I didn't take down anything he said in this moment. I don't know if you guys did. <laughs> no. Now, again, they, he was mostly just refuting what Oblio said he had learned from the rock man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's kind of a, he's kind of a Shetcher cat-like character. Yeah. In that he is not necessarily... Uh, like if I would, if I were to align him, I would probably just make him chaotic neutral. Yeah. He, he's not even like an evil character. He's just like distraction. Yeah. He's, yeah. I mean, that, you know, like, trickster God he reminds me of treasure cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or like Loki. Yeah. Of this world. I'm sorry. I'm reading the, uh, the old game in Norse mythology book. So <laughs> I'm all up on that right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> American Gods. Uh, no, I did read that. That's a good book. But he has one where he just like writes down Norse myths, but in like modern language, which is a lot of fun. Oh, that's oh, yeah. That'd be interesting. So, recommendation to anyone who's reading it or <laughs> anyone interested. Uh, anyways, uh, they the dog almost falls into a big hole, and then we get a song about a big hole. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. And then it ends with him getting hit in the face with a big pie. Yeah. <laughs> And this is where we start to see songs that have nothing to do with the the, the plot, really, and are just kind of songs mm-hmm. with like trippy, yeah, imagery and stuff. Yeah, but but after this, Oblio says to the pointed man, "I sure learned a lot from that." And I was like, "Really? I didn't." <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he meets the dancing ladies. Yeah, they are so funny. Were the dancing ladies before the uh, the leaf man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. right before. Okay. Um, and so, you know, they're dancing around and laughing, and Oblio runs over and he's like, Who are you? And they don't say anything. They just start like bouncing him around also. Yeah, they never and say anything. I have probably, yeah, my favorite moment of the movie Oblio, like, as they're bouncing him around, Oblio looks straight into the camera and goes, I really don't understand this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Yeah, me too. <laughs> it was like, Oh, okay. That's so funny. I don't remember that. I don't remember him looking right at that camera. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. It was amazing. A, a brief moment of clarity. <laughs> yeah. 
but I guess eventually he does because, you know, they they bounce off and the pointing man comes back and he says, wow, they're pretty pointless, huh? And Oblio's like, yeah, no, they do have a point, you know, and he says, I think laughter and merriness and making each other happy. Yeah. And so he's starting to, like, catch on to these things of people that he's meeting. And now's, now we meet the tree guy. The leaf seller or the, the, the leaf yeah, guy. The leaf man, leaf seller. Don't step on the leaves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's like a tree dude. And the first thing he says to Oblio is like, you're standing on my, you know, my stuff or whatever. And because he's standing on leaves and Oblio initially uh, erroneously assumes that he's a leaf collector, but he's like, no, I'm not a collector. It's my business. I, you know, I make the leaves and sell the leaves and stuff. And then he like offers Oblio a job. He's like, can you like, yeah. make leaves? And Oblio's like, no, I, I can't. I can't make them. I'm, I'm not a tree. I'm a boy. Or like <laughs> something like, like that. Yeah, exactly. He's like, all you got to do is plant your roots and then let the trees grow. Like the leaves yeah. fall off. And, and Oblio's like, um, I don't have roots. Yeah. And the tree guy's like, seems really heartbroken by this. He's like, oh, no. <laughs> but Well, and the leaf, the leaf guy is from the early 70s, late 60s, is the man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's capitalism. Yeah. yeah, I definitely he's the got producer. that. Yeah, um, so he's he's what business is about, and what you ought to be about if you're going to put down your roots and be a grown up. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, it, but it was interesting to me too because the pointed man uh, taught like the pointed man has been like you know saying negative things about all these people, and he and he also says something negative about the the tree guy. So he he says that the tree guy's product is so ununique that it's completely pointless. And, and so it was, it made that like the pointed man saying that made me feel more sympathetic to the tree guy <laughs> yeah. in a weird way. Yeah. So sure. I was like, maybe, you know, cause he is very much like this, you know, capitalist like guy selling stuff. But I was also like, he really seems to enjoy his own act of like producing these things to sell right. to people. So I was like, I don't know, maybe there's something there of like, you know, I don't know if you enjoy the work that you're doing, then like, that's okay too. Like that's you know. what I picked up as well. That that's what I was feeling. I don't know. Cause it's different than like the people in the town who just sort of like assumed that they had to do these things. Yeah. And they're just like, well, this is what we do. Cause this is what we do. And the tree guy's like, check out these awesome leaves that I've got. <laughs> yeah. He, and he, he, to some degree, he had mo- more of a drive yeah of on his business yeah as opposed to uh have it as a vocational kind of thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he was hard driven on it yeah maybe he's to represent like the artisan or something like that or like you know yeah a passionate you know he and you know maybe he's a small businessman because it seems like it's just him he needs one more employee <laughs> to, so he talks to this kind of franchise <laughs> yeah <laughs> Or or branchise as the case may be. Boo. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> We're podcasting now, baby. <laughs> oh boy. Oh man. Uh, what even happens after the tree guy? The does he go to sleep? He, I think. Oh no no no! It's the bird, the pterodactyl, aka the bird. Okay. Yeah. The bird grabs. And that's him. when he sees that the the forest is more than just a forest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. He's like, well, he says it's more than just the trunks of trees. It's also tree tops, yeah. and then also other stuff. But I was like, okay, <laughs> come on, man. Like, well, and that again is a a whole thing of g- growing up and ha- changing your perspective yeah. mm-hmm. from a 
kid perspective that you're just so high to yeah. having a worldview that is expansive. Mm-hmm. He's starting to see the forest instead of the trees. Ah. Uh, <laughs> but then we get a hilariously racist Chinese caricature pops up yeah. in the frame briefly, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, where are we going with this? Oh, shit. Well, and, and didn't he pop up first upside down? Uh-huh. Yeah. Which, which to me was, this is a representation of the world. Yeah. Because, you know, right. if you start digging in your backyard, you dig a, anywhere in the U.S., people say you're digging to China. Yeah. Uh, because supposedly if the world was upside down, you'd be in China. So that's at least that's what I got out of that is we're <laughs> traveling around the world now. Yeah. By introducing this racist <laughs> caricature of an Asian man. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. I, the rest of that whole sequence does not offer any clues really because that's this yeah, is the one that where song kind of goes off the rails. Donald, it's Donald yeah. Mickey and some can can lady, yeah, and a guy playing an instrument in a big box while a lady looks through the, the box at him, but then uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, hard to say. Um, maybe it means something, but who knows? Oh, I'm, I'm sure it means something, <laughs> I just don't know what. Hey, Luke, do you know when Disneyland opened in uh, Anaheim? In the 50s, 50-something, 50 or maybe in the 60s, but before this movie, for sure. When when did It's a Small World? Was that one of the mm. first, uh, an original attraction in Disneyland? It was not. It was, I, I actually happened to know this. I don't know why I know this, but <laughs> It's a Small World opened 10 years after Disneyland opened. Hmm. So it's a small world might have just opened when this movie came out. I'm not sure. Mm. Well, because all of this stuff, it, that's an interesting for thought. just no particular reason, all of the stuff that seemingly came in that montage can have some reflection from it's a small world from the can can people to the, yeah. uh, you know, ethnic dress to all that kind of stuff. I'm, and the Disney yeah, characters, and the, the, the yeah. Disney reference. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Disneyland opened in 1955. Okay. It definitely seems like it's making a point about, like, Disney in general by including yeah. the the Mickey Donald. It's, it's certainly not a coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But after this wonderful... You know what? I wonder what it would be like to watch this movie while you're on ass. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel it like... It might make perfect sense. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. I bet many people have. I would oh, think, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because it's got, like, you know, I, I'm sure people showed it to their kids, like, what happened with us. But I'm sure it was also, like, probably the intended audience was, like, yeah. you know, hippie people who were on something. <laughs> uh but I say that to say that we are back now in the plot of the film, um, where the the big bird <laughs> drops quote 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 plot. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> the bird drops them onto its big egg, and this is where Oblio's like, "Wow, this egg really is pointless." But then it cracks open, and you know the beak of the bird pops out, and he's like, "Oh, it does have a point," which is you know I guess I don't know so many puns reproduction. Uh, yeah, I, I never I, every time they say something has a point. I in my mind am like trying to metaphoricalize that and like okay so what is the like the point that's they're yeah. making here so I, I'm trying to think of like 
you know, the bird, I guess, is the point is like creating the next generation or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, then we have Oblio's conversation with the small bird that one of you guys, I can't remember, made reference to earlier about really being in conversation with himself. Yeah. That, yeah, because the bird just says the same, wah, wah, wah. Mm-hmm. and Oblio hears him asking the who, what, when, where, whys. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just like a sort of a sounding board for him to sort of, yeah. uh, uh, I guess, contextualize his own experience and like really come to terms with it. But maybe maybe thinking isn't so good, as we find out in the next scene, because... You know, the pointed man shows up for one last time, yeah. and and Oblio's like, wow, all of these adventures really got me thinking. And the pointed man's like, don't do that. Thinking is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> now you've <laughs> made like, a mistake. Uh, what? Yeah. This is where you first start to really feel that the pointed man is, like, not a good guy. He's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, there's a real a real turn where we realize, oh, I guess this dude's not gonna like be like, and now you learned your lesson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he leaves in a vanishing point. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I was trying to figure out. I think that might just be in here for the pun of it, because I I couldn't figure out. I like, feel like that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but how did Oblio know that he wasn't coming back? Because Oblio says, I don't think we're going to see him again. I don't maybe, know. Maybe because he was like pissed off. Maybe he's like. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe he was because he was like, I'm know. leaving this dumb place. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, I want to see that guy again. <laughs> but yeah, here's where he, you know, he goes to bed and um, he wakes up. Well, we have, uh, first of all, a crazy dream sequence. Mm-hmm. And and I took I took down the, some of the lyrics to this song. You know, the songs have all been very like. 70s but this one in particular there's a point where he goes there was a time and we had a time and there was a time where we had a time and <laughs> once upon a time we weren't on a time and i was just like what is happening yeah <laughs> ridiculous but uh after the dream sequence he wakes up next to destination point that pointed him back home yeah so i guess he was he was like meant to go back there or whatever. The real journey was the friends we made along the way. Yeah. I wonder if he'll go out and visit them sometime. Because we, we never <laughs> said, at the beginning of the movie, they say, no one's ever been to the pointless forest before. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, really? <laughs> well, how do you know he, this kid's not going to, like, die out there? Yeah. Well, the people in the pointed village are not necessarily concerned with exploration, it seems. Yeah, I guess so. I, I wonder if they'll go back. I, you know, because I... I feel like he, you know, made some friends at least with the the rock man and the yeah. and ladies. Like, yeah, we don't go visit them. <laughs> just back to visit. Yeah, just yeah. hang out. And they 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 do their best to kind of explain. There, like, there's some brief scenes of Oblio's parents being like, "Oh, we really miss him," and like some other people in town are just like, "Oh, we miss Oblio." And I feel like they threw those in to kind of like make it like oh when he comes back everyone has changed their minds because they feel bad about banishing him mm-hmm. yesterday yeah yeah yesterday um, yeah. yeah including the king <laughs> which like finally the king is gonna is gonna do the right thing but yeah so they let they let him back yeah into the town they have a, a very a line that sort of like lays out mom's mom and dad are talking 
dad's like, well, the law is the law. We had to, we had to kick him out. And mom's like, well, it's a bad law. We should have challenged the law. Yeah. And so I feel like that's also bringing something into the film. Uh, I like that. That's cool. That feels very, it feels, you know, and especially today, uh, yep. that part feels very like relevant. Yep. I was like, all right, good job movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so the, basically the king and everyone are happy that he's back, but the count's like, well, we got to kick him out. He still has no point, And he whips off Oblio's hat. And now, you know, we were saying Oblio does have a point. So like, oh, hooray. Now we don't have to kick him out. And this, this is where like, I feel like, you know, as we were saying, the movie gets a little bit muddled yeah. where it's like, he shouldn't need to have a point. Yeah. But um, then everyone loses their point. And maybe just off screen, Oblio also like got around head again or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hope so. I'm going to assume that. Yeah. And then that's the end, I guess. And the dad talks to the kid. He's like, wow, wasn't that a great story? What a great story that was. It was full of adventure. And the kid's like, uh, yeah, sure, dad. Good night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a great story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the kid still seems overall pretty nonplussed. Mm hmm. He's just like, yeah, sometimes, sometimes you just got to like go with it when your dad's like, says something. <laughs> yeah. 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 You should. <laughs> so on the whole, like, I feel like here's where I'm at with this movie. It's okay. Like there's some cool animation. It's, it's pretty to watch and mm-hmm. the songs are kind of catchy, but I feel like, I mean, I just personally, I've been watching, and I think I talked to you about this, Zach, but I've been watching a lot of animated films right now mm-hmm. just because it's, you know, comforting <laughs> during yeah. this whole bullshit. Um, so I've been watching a lot of Disney movies and Pixar movies and yada, yada, yada. And like, I just watched Hunchback of Notre Dame like three days ago. And it's like, to me, the the point of the point, right, is that everybody has worth. And it, you know, gets that across, but I just think there are ways that you can do it that have an actual compelling story with an arc and an antagonist that has effect over what's happening and, mm-hmm. you know, just better storytelling in general, such as <laughs> Hunchback Notre Dame. So like, it's, it's, it's fine, but there's just a bunch of stuff that does what it's doing much better, in my opinion. Yeah, but maybe not if you were on acid. That's true. That's true. <laughs> My assessments might be reversed if I was tripping balls. <laughs> Ooh, although Hunchback would be pretty sick if I was tripping, though, to be honest. Uh, dude, you'd probably freak out at that one part. Where, that hellfire uh, scene? Oh, you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to watch hellfire. it. Hellfire. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm kind of in a similar boat where I feel like, you know, there are certain scenarios in which it would be great to watch this movie, such as if you had a small kid and you wanted to like put something on for them or if you yeah. were tripping on acid. Um, but as, the movie as it is like watching it as a sober adult, I was like, <laughs> I feel like you could probably and, and this is kind of I was surprised because when we did watch um, Imaginaria, it was like, you know, a half hour long. And I was like, oh, I remember this being so much longer. So I was expecting that to be the case with this one. I was expecting it to be like a half hour long, you know, little in and out kind of like little short. But it's like an hour 10 plus. Yeah. And and thinking about it now, if you cut out all of the like, you know, weird nonsense, <laughs> you probably could. <laughs> it probably could be like a, a 30 to 40 minute Easily. like yeah. little film. And 
I feel like that that I would recommend watching. Yeah. Just because it's it is you know I do like the animation. I like the voice acting. It's it's a neat little story. But yeah, I I I don't know. As is, eh, maybe. What do you think, Dad? I thought I thought the movie, particularly um, representing the early seventies, mm. uh, is very locked into its time period. True. Yeah. Both in the uh, the animation, the stylized. You know, again, it it harkens back to Peter Max and yeah. uh, Yellow Submarine and stuff like that. And also the message of coming out of the late sixties of be who you want to be, see what you want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's very much a piece of its time for, for today. I think the message of acceptance is very relevant. Like you said, uh, even the point of, well, sometimes the law is not good and we ought to change them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there are some real good qualities to it. Even if the story itself, as Luke says, it might be more <laughs> captivating if they have developed characters and, a, yeah. a stronger storyline. But I think there's some real richness to the film. Yeah. Um, it was fun to watch it again. I hadn't thought about it in a number of years. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the the whole lure of here's a Dustin Hoffman movie to watch. <laughs> uh, you, you still owe me. Sorry about you it. still owe me a Dustin Hoffman we'll movie. We'll find now. one. All right. So That's we'll our have promise to, find, to you. Yeah, we'll find an actual <laughs> Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> we'll have you back on for that one. <laughs> So I guess that's like a soft recommendation. Yeah, I think that just is a good point. If you if you want something that's like just a real slice of the seventies, yeah, you could probably watch this. Yeah, yeah. Well, in early seventies, it's not disco seventies. Yeah. It's yeah. true. Yeah, late sixties, early seventies. Mm-hmm. If you had ever seen the the Tootsie Pop commercial with the owl and thought, "I wish this was <laughs> seventy five minutes long," then watch. It. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Awesome. Well, hey, Dad, thanks for coming on again. This was really fun. Yeah. Uh, I had, had a good time. Had a good time. Uh, you always bring, I feel like, a certain level of, like, smartiness to the podcast that is yeah. otherwise missing. <laughs> well, and, and you can always make stuff up, and, and who's to say you're wrong, you know? Yeah, wait a second. <laughs> is everything you said true? Yeah. <laughs> of course it is okay okay i'll just trust you so earlier in the podcast we alluded to <laughs> how uh how heady and pretentious could we possibly be uh going mm-hmm. into next week for the short report what are we doing zach so we're going to be watching unshin andalu which yes. is uh, Probably one of the most famous short films of all time. Probably yep. one of the most famous experimental films of all time. Um, it's fucking bananas. Uh, and we're going to, I guess, try and talk about it. Yeah. I watched it in like pretty much every film class I ever had. Yeah, I was going to say, if you've ever taken any kind of film class in any kind of college, you've probably seen it. Um, but it's cool and it's interesting. And so check it out and then come back and, and, and listen to us bullshit about it next week yeah um it is on youtube yes and subscribe to us on all the bullshit on instagram and give us reviews and ratings and and all of that good stuff and tell a friend yeah get the word out by word of mouth yeah uh anything else thanks everybody rokeboxoffice at gmail.com yes uh see you next week all right bye bye bye